0: Whether you call Bris Vegas home or are planning a trip to the River City, this is the podcast that will help you plan the ultimate Bluey day out.
1: <laughs>
0: the best of Brisbane for real life. This is
1: Bluey's Brisbane with Justin and Lou.
0: The success of Bluey has shown off Brisbane to the world, but 25 years before Bluey and the Healers put Red Hill on the map, Brisbane writer Nick Earles released his novel Zigzag Street, which is also set in the inner-city Brisbane suburb of Red Hill. Lou sat down to talk to him about all things Red Hill, the iconic Queenslander house that the Heeler family calls home, and the three-sided dunny in his house in Red Hill.
1: Okay, Nick. They need constant maintenance. They're drafty, they're often on steep slopes, there's no insulation and no storage. What is our love affair and romance with a Queenslander?
0: <laughs> yeah, they are more than um, the sum of their shortcomings, fortunately. Um, well, they're ours for a start and it takes people back to earlier times in Brisbane. This is a style of architecture that came about in the, the 19th century here and was very fit for purpose at the time and... Uh, and It's our major contribution to vernacular architecture. So it feels very much like something of this place. And as well, they are very aesthetically appealing. You can sort of see how they've been crafted and you, if you look at a Queenslander, you can see the shape of it, the roof line, the stumps, those kind of big features, but also the finer details in the timber and often in the fretwork as well and, uh, and in the color schemes. So they're aesthetically very appealing and they're ours. And I think that means people are very attached to them, uh, even if they uh, don't come fully air conditioned all the time and, <laughs> uh, and some of the things that we might be more used to now.
1: Well, we used to joke it's naturally air-conditioned because the, yes. the breeze came in from everywhere. Well,
0: and, <laughs> and, and, and you know, in, in summer that feels like a design feature, and in winter that feels like the, someone's, the builders let you down badly.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely, yes. And, like, what was the reception of when, like, Zigzag Street went all over the world. You had that translated into several languages. We get messages a lot in particular from US listeners about what do you mean this place that we're seeing on Bluey is real? What was the yep. reception of things like this Queenslander and the sense of place with international audience for you? Well,
0: I can certainly relate to the response you've had with Bluey um, because um, I'm, with Bluey, you know, the, the characters people will connect with and that's what happened with my book. But then they're thinking, wow, this place that they're in and I can remember the first email I got, from a reader in Sweden where she'd connected with the story because she'd just been dumped by her boyfriend. Uh, but she was emailing me because she wanted to say, uh, but, you know, Brisbane, houses on sticks. How exotic is that? And and I just wanted to say, look, the maybe the only exotic thing that happened in Brisbane today was I got this email from Uppsala. Uh, but it was very interesting getting to see it through the eyes of people in... Johannesburg and and Mongolia and a range of other places, people who'd never been to Brisbane before and got a sense of the place and of these these timber houses perched on their long legs on the steepling hillsides of the inner suburbs and thinking that seemed like a really interesting place.
1: And like we're looking at the Healer home right now and if I was describing to you oh, my house is painted yellow and it's got a red roof, and there was another colour for the battens underneath the veranda. It kind of sounds like, you know, a rainbow house, something made up. But it's actually, it's, there, it's it, right? It sounds completely,
0: yeah. like, it sounds cartoonish.
1: Yeah, uh, funnily uh, enough.
0: Yeah, and, and yet it's not. And I think it, I can understand why people would think that. You watch a, an, an animated show on TV and you see the colours and you think that's part of the game that they're playing in the show uh, because, you know, you might have dogs that aren't a standard dog colour for example Uh, but no that's the palette of these houses originally and I think it was only really well into the 20th century that people started painting them all white and then in the late twentieth century, when people started restoring them and not just living in them, thinking this is a thing to value, not just an old house, it's actually a heritage house. I'll go and find out what the original colors were. They're often quite surprised to see that they were um, a, a sort of ochery color or a pale pink uh, or a pastel green or or blue. so um, these are the these are the colors of these houses and it it makes for a really Uh, attractive streetscape when people choose the colour palette for their houses and you see these different houses uh, with their tin roofs.
1: Now, I've even done a street view of uh, Zigzag Street before I came to see you because I thought there's something about 34 Zigzag Street that rang a bell and the bell that was ringing was there's no such place as 34 Zigzag Street. And I can actually confirm whenever the Google Street Maps went through and took photos everyone's a riot of colour on that street yeah yeah it's looking gorgeous with the gun up houses in the storytellers so we're back this is very brisbane so uh for museum of brisbane you did the exhibit called the storytellers and this was an an audio treat as well as a visual treat and we got to hear about the three-sided dunny now nick at risk of making you a word expert on one word in particular I want to throw it back over to you about in the episode of Bluey about, called Dunny, Chili says to her kids, you're not allowed to say that word, but I'm going to throw it over to you. What's so great about the word Dunny?
0: <laughs> um, it's got a good sound to it. It sounds, it's, it's, not, it's kind of nice to say. It sounds like an old Anglo-Saxon word, but it's not. So it goes back to Scots 200 years ago, to dung, being the thing that was created in that, in that small building, because this goes back to the, to it being a separate building out the back, not just a toilet that's in your house. So it was called a, it was a dung ken, with the ken being a Scots word for house, and that became Dunnikin, because that was easier to say, and it was only in the 1920s that got abbreviated to dunny, but dunny, in a kind of classic mid-20th century Australian accent, dunny, um, <laughs> It's got its own particular appeal. It's quite a strong kind of word. So that was a word when I moved out to Australia from Northern Ireland in 1972. It was a word that was new to me uh, but, and sounded very Australian and was very much used by people of that sort of vintage. So now um, kid, young kids in Australia now might find that they have grandparents who occasionally use that word. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's great that, that throughout history different bits of the English language have found their own euphemism for toilet and that seems like it's ours.
1: (laughs) I think too one of the things is the dunny, the outhouse in the backyards of Brisbane was such a distinctive shape, this little TARDIS-type box, foam box-type building structure um, that when we all got the plumbing on the inside later on, it often became the garden shed or you got rid of it. You didn't want to, you know, you weren't that house but still had the outhouse, you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: But, yeah, a lot of them stayed as garden sheds and uh, and so it was in the 60s, 1960s, that Clem Jones, the then Lord Mayor of Brisbane, determined to make it his mission to uh, to give everyone plumbing on the inside of the house. and um, But a, a lot of those outhouse buildings stayed and I can remember... Driving around with visitors in the late 70s and early 80s, when there were m- when there were many, many of them still around, and uh, and the visitors from the UK would say, obviously everyone here really cares a lot about their gardens because they've got a garden shed out the back, and that's when my mum or dad would have to go. Actually, that that's the toilet, uh, <laughs> and there are still some, and but you've got to keep your eye open for them. There are still some that have been around for well. 70 years or more that are still there in, in people's gardens still being put to use but one of the things that I thought was interesting was that when someone renovated a house in one of our inner suburbs uh, and brought the bathroom and toilet inside it's highly variable in terms of how that worked out sometimes people would uh, extend the house and build new rooms and have a grand bathroom and that kind of thing. But too often, someone tried to cut corners and would just kind of sort of perch it on the back veranda and screen a bit off and bring a toilet up there and a bath up there and sort of inside, but not really inside. And yeah, I did have an experience with one of those.
1: And that's what your story, the three-sided Dunny was all about. I wanna throw that open to you. Tell us a little bit about the three-sided Dunny.
0: So that was a house in Red Hill, very much the kind of house that we're talking about. Uh, And it had been renovated in the most dubious way imaginable. Uh, So much so that the real estate agent who was selling it didn't try to pretend it was otherwise this was about 30 years ago and you'd walk into the house into this little cottage and uh, and he would show you the two small bedrooms and all that and then he'd walk you out to the to the back veranda um, through the toilet uh, and say of course you'd fix this up straight away wouldn't you Uh, and it turned out that the that the actual outhouse was still in the backyard, just kind of lying down and uh, <laughs> uh, and the and the toilet had been plumbed in on the back veranda. But the way it worked was that uh, to, if you sat on the toilet, To your left would be a door to the bathroom, and the only door to the bathroom. To your right will be the door to the back veranda, and it was the only door to the back veranda. And your knees would be almost banging up against a slatted pantry door that opened into the kitchen. So in the kitchen, you'd think it was a pantry, but you could surprise someone and yourself by whipping the door open and just seeing, that it wasn't a pantry at all, but it was the only way to get to the back deck was opening the pantry door and going through the toilet to the back deck or opening the pantry door and going through the toilet into the bathroom. So um, so we turned up there determined to change it and then as we found more and more shortcomings of this building, thought, this is beyond us. We'll give it a coat of paint and sell it. And then on the day it went on the market as we were leaving and the first people came to inspect the property, we heard the real estate agent lead them out the back through the toilet to the uh, to the enticing view. And on the way through, he went, of course, this would be the first thing you'd fix. And we <laughs> thought, yep, that's how you sell this house. Cause that's how, that's why we bought the house.
1: <laughs> and look, you've got a new book as well. We've kind of, we're joking about closing the loop on Zigzag Street. I want you to have a plug for Empires. I just want to say at the time of recording, it was off the shelves, so I don't have my copy, so she says, stamping her feet. Tell us about Empires, your latest release.
0: So Empires, of all my 28 books, is the hardest to describe. Uh, it's five pieces in one but it does come together as a novel it covers a couple of hundred years uh, and a number of different central characters but there's a reason to bring them all together Uh, there are characters in common there are objects in common uh, there's a logic behind it uh, and there are themes uh, that, that kind of pull them together as well but From the point of view of the title, um, it looks at some actual empires, uh, but it also looks at business empires and people who create empires, But but it goes beyond that. To look at the characters within them and how anything on the scale of an empire is ultimately the sum total of the choices made by thousands if not millions of people over a period of time and the way that all panned out.
1: I'm in when it's back on the right. shelves.
0: <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> hope it's be... back soon.
1: <laughs> I might have to get online. So all the words they've said about um, book shortages at the moment and to getting quick. I'm just going to add getting quick audio copy if you want to get Nick Earl's Empires because it is flying off the shelves for real life. Nick, thank you so much for joining me today. I have to say the 20-year-old girl when in 1996 she read Zigzag Street had no idea that as a older lady she would be <laughs> sitting down with you to talk about that book 25 years later so thank you so much for making time for blueys brisbane and talking to us about timber and Tin.
0: thanks it's been a pleasure you've been listening to blueys brisbane check us out on facebook and instagram
1: just search for at blueys brisbane